Unstoppable Success Radio, episode 138. Welcome to Unstoppable Success Radio. My name is Kelly Roach, former NFL cheerleader and Fortune 500 executive turned business growth strategist, helping entrepreneurs around the world to make six and seven figure leaps in their business. Each week, we bring you multiple episodes designed to help you go further faster in accomplishing your goals and dreams. Now let's get down to business. Welcome to Unstoppable Success Radio. I am your host, Kelly Roach, and I am thrilled to be here today with Paul Maskell. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kelly. Super excited to be here. Yeah, so you've had a super exciting, fun journey with lots of twists and turns, and I'm excited to share your story and your background as well as what you're doing today with our audience. So I'm going to give a little bit of that background, let you fill in some gaps, and then we'll dive right in. Sounds good. All right. So graduating from the University of Michigan with a finance degree in hand, Paul set out to climb the corporate ladder in Chicago all the way to the top. Not long into his career in corporate America, the buzz of a finance job in the big city lost its luster and Paul was looking for more. Sitting in a cubicle for 10 to 12 hours a day while staring at spreadsheets and building someone else's business was not Paul's idea of living the dream, so he quit. After taking two months to travel around South America, Paul decided to relocate to Raleigh, North Carolina and start a career that was rewarding. After all, you only live once. In 2011, Paul invested in his first TGA franchise, combining his business experience with his passion for sports. TGA makes golf and tennis accessible to students ages 3 through 15 through on-campus after-school programs, summer camps, and parent-child events, and more. Over the next four and a half years, Paul grew his business to four franchises, impacting thousands of kids each year. At the end of 2015, Paul was ready to make his next move. He sold his four franchises for over six times his initial investment and three times his net profit. Soon after, Paul was hired by the franchisor to be in charge of business development. Based on his business experience and ability to grow a business to over 40 employees and 400000 in revenue in four years, Paul now works with current franchise owners to help build their businesses into an organization with people, processes, and systems in place that the business can thrive on without relying on the owner working on versus working in their business. He also works with prospective franchise owners and putting together their business plan while evaluating all of the moving parts of the business in their geographic area. Paul, welcome to the show, man. <laughs> Thanks, Kelly. That that was a great intro. Yeah, I love I love everything that you've done and you're such a perfect fit for the show. I had so much fun coming on your show a little while back. Um, automate your franchise. If there's anybody that is thinking of getting into a franchise or has one now, definitely check out Paul's show. Um, but let's I want to hone in here, Paul, on the the people processes and systems because what's interesting about what you do and what you're doing with franchise owners is that those three things are really what's essential to building any profitable sustainable business and unfortunately with all the bright shiny objects out there the three of the things that are most overlooked by entrepreneurs out there today talk to me a little bit about that yeah totally agree uh the bright shiny object syndrome amongst entrepreneurs uh, is alive and well, and I'm one of those. I always get distracted by these new tools and this new bits of technology and new processes and you know new thoughts. But at the end of the day, I think uh, businesses are still built by people, and you need to put those people in the right places to succeed. And the easiest way to do that for a long-term you know business outlook 
is by giving them a system and processes to really thrive in the business so that if they have everything they need to succeed, there really is you know, way, no way for them to fail as long as you're there, obviously, to continue to provide training and support. But I think a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, you know, you read and hear about everybody building these one-man shows and all these things are automated and everything like that, which is great. But at the end of the day, if you're going to build a valuable business, I think you still need some people in place. Uh, so when, when we talk about automation, you know, people, in my opinion, are still the backbone of automation. You're just making their job easier or allowing them to get more done by using, you know, bits of technology and thought processes and schedules and everything that's out there to help us get where we want to go. So true. So absolutely true. And I love that point that you're bringing up there, Paul, because I think actually touching back on something that you just said, there's actually a lot of misconception out there that a lot of these businesses are building a one-man show. Actually, what happens is they outsource uh, to the point where they then need to insource. And I got to that point in my business. I was outsourcing and outsourcing and outsourcing. And then it got to the point where it was less efficient and more costly to outsource than it was to begin hiring my own internal team, my own full-time people that were fully vested in the business, totally focused on what we were doing. And you're absolutely right. I mean, any business of substance is based on people. And especially if you hope to do what you did one day, Paul, which was sell the business. If there's no people to run the business and there's no internal assets to sell, I can't imagine that um, you're going to do very well um, getting getting the price tag for the business that you're looking for, right? Totally. Yeah, totally agree. That's, uh, I think that, that will probably never change unless... Everything is automated and we don't need people, but then I, I don't know what would happen to the world if it ever right. came to be. So yeah. so until then, I think still putting those right people in place. And like you said, you know, with technology, you are able to outsource a lot easier. If you only need something done five to 10 hours a week, it's really easy to hop online and find somebody to do it. Whereas before, you really didn't have that option. No one's going to come work for you for five or 10 hours and come to your office just because it's not sustainable. But now you have that opportunity and eventually you get to the point where you're using those people so much that it just makes sense financially, economically, efficiently to make those people, you know, full-time employees because then there is enough work. But, you know, in order to scale, you don't have to invest as much now as you used to just because you don't need to bring on people full-time until yes. you need those people full-time. That's, I mean, that is the huge, unbelievably amazing advantage in entrepreneurship today is the flexibility and the freedom that you can start off with someone. I started off with a virtual support company an hour a week. And yep. literally build up from there to, you know, a full-time team. Um, but, you know, the fact that we can start now by getting that flexible support is so amazing. And it definitely levels the playing field and, and really allows anyone at any level to succeed as an entrepreneur. But I do think it's important to still keep the eye on the long-range vision for the business and for your life. And, and ultimately, that does include people. Um, and one of the things, Paul, that I really want to talk about today, and I've had three or four episodes that have centered around this and I I continue to want to bring this up to my listeners because I think it's so important and I think people don't think about it or talk about it enough and that is starting your business with the end in mind and having a plan for running your business in such a way that when it is time to sell it for example like you did um, that you can make a return on investment and that you can actually use that money to either reinvest or to retire or to you know start your next big project or whatever that is I think most people run their businesses like um, 
cobbled together hobby shop. <laughs> um, and then, you know, look up one day and realize, oh, my God, I don't have anyone to pass this business on to or my family's not interested in running this business, but I can't get paid for it because I didn't do things the right way. You obviously did. So talk to our listeners a little bit about what that looked like, what that entailed and how you put yourself in position to do that, Paul. Yeah, and starting with the end in mind, that's I think that's rule number one. Uh, if anybody out there wants a good QuickBook to read, Built to Sell is a fantastic book to really change your mindset in building a valuable business, building an asset that you can actually sell or just have somebody run for you and you can collect a stream of income or you can transfer to your kids, whatever you want to do. But if, if you're going to if you're going to own your own business, you might as well build it into something valuable. Otherwise, you know, you're really just working a job because you're just collecting paycheck to paycheck in a little bit different way. So, I mean, for me, I basically got a, got out a giant whiteboard and wrote down everything that I did on a daily basis, probably two or three years ago. So at that point, I was doing all of the work in the business. If, if I wasn't there, if I got hit by a bus, if I got sick, the business wasn't going to thrive for very long. So once I wrote everything out, then I kind of just started organizing them you know, into different silos. Okay, this is what this person could do. This is what this person could do. And then all of a sudden, I had three or four full-time positions that I had created out of all this work. And then I started working my way backwards. So I envisioned my business two to three years down the road with it running itself more or less. Obviously, as the owner, you're still going to be there probably 20 to 40 hours a week leading it, you know, helping quality control, all those other things, you know, to be a good leader and be a good owner. But at the end of the day, the business could thrive without you. So working my way backwards, I basically did what we talked about earlier. First, I, I delegated maybe five hours of work a week and then 10 hours and then 15 hours. And then it really became to the point where I delegated pretty much everything that I could delegate to where I didn't need to be there on a daily basis. So I built a team uh, locally, but we all work from home, so I had a virtual team connected through technology, and uh, it worked out pretty well. But starting with the end in mind, I think that is uh, the best way to start thinking long-term. I think everybody now wants instant gratification and they want to get rich quick, but uh, if you're going to build a valuable business, it's not going to happen that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, I personally spend time every week working on the infrastructure of my business and looking at the um, hierarchy and the staffing needs that we have. And, and really, that's how I've, I've built the business is by looking at what my future perfect is and then building an org chart and then growing the business up to be able to support the people to place into those positions. So it sounds like you followed a very similar process um, with your business there. And, and it's really nice to see the the result that you were able to get. Um, talk to me a little bit about some of the key systems that you really focus on helping uh, franchisers to establish in their businesses, because I don't think that those are, are you know specific to franchisers. I think everyone listening could benefit from those. Yeah. So like the franchise that I was running and, you know, still working with today was it's a running, you know, service, it's a service-based business. So when you invest in that type of franchise, you're investing in the product that you're selling. So in our case, curriculums to run programs and camps and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's still your own business. It's still, you know, you're going to build it the way you want it built. So really, you know, what I focus on with people is put, putting those systems and building that foundation so that you can support future growth. I've seen Way too many business owners, not just franchise owners, but business owners in general, you know, think short term and bring in all this revenue, but then they don't have a system in place or infrastructure in place and a foundation in place to actually support all of that demand. And then, it, you know, you're building a house of cards at that, at that point. So really focusing on 
no matter what process you're doing, let's make, let's systematize it. Whether it's something that you think is so simple that you could do in your sleep, if you still need to teach somebody how to do it, let's just systematize it now because then you don't have to do it ever again. So thinking long-term and thinking every process that you're doing, are you doing it the most efficient? And if you were able to give this to somebody else, would they be able to do it the same way you did? Um, you know, and focusing on that with the end in mind so that way eventually they can delegate these things. So those are probably the two biggest things. And then we, I mean, we focus on all the other things, but as far as building that foundation, you know, I think those are the biggest, biggest parts in my opinion is systematizing everything that you can. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. We focused probably two months of last year on going through every policy and procedure in the company, documenting standard operating procedures, creating audios and videos. And, um, you know, the thing is, I know that a lot of business owners resist that because it is time consuming up front. But already, you know, I can see very quickly how it's saved us so much time as we've hired new people, it's shortened the learning curve. And so th those become assets in your business, right? Like having those systems, having those policies and procedures, having, you know, a, a role that someone could step into and within a week be adding value for your business means that that is now a value add asset and resource for the future of the company, right? The hardest thing for a business owner to realize is, you know, they're always thinking and we're always thinking as far as what kind of revenue, it's not instant gratification in the sense that if I do this process, I'm going to bring in more revenue today. You know, I should be focusing on things that are going to bring in revenue today. But if you ever wanted to capitalize on the hard work you put in over the years, you really need those systems in place because you're going to get, you know, a two or three X more multiple on selling your business if you have all those things in place. Because if you, if you put yourself in the owner, you know, in the shoes of a new owner coming in and buying an already existing business, they're not going to have time to try and figure everything out and run the business. So if at least the business can kind of run itself until the owner figures out the business and learns, you know, the intricacies of it, that's going to be a lot easier because they know that their employees are going to continue running because they have all the, you know, exactly what you said, the, the training videos, the audio, the, the standard operating procedures, all those things that then the new owner can also go through and learn the business as well. Right. And I think that's huge because if you think about it, you know, most people obviously that are in the market to buy a business probably already own another couple of businesses of their own. So they're not looking to step in and have to be the workhorse that is running and pushing the cart up the mountain every day. They're looking for a business that's running like a well-oiled machine already. So I think that's great advice that you're giving there, Paul, for sure. I think another great thing that you that you touched on that I'd like to circle back to, Paul, was, um, you know, you said that, you know, automation many times does require humans, but that it's uh, being able to help them do their job better, faster, easier, that kind of thing. And I've, I've definitely had that same experience as well. I think when people think automation, they think um, a machine in a factory that that's producing <laughs> something, right, independent of a human. Um, but when it comes to small businesses, it, it, it does tend to be a product, a program, or a system that you put in place that that you know creates efficiencies and saves time. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about some of the efficiencies or automation using team that you help your franchisors to put in place? Yeah, so um, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to go with that, but really, just I, I tell all the people that I consult with, and even when I had the business, all my employees, I said, if if you're sitting there thinking, man, I wish there was a piece of technology that could do. X, Y, and Z, there probably is, you just have to Google it. So we would use a lot of tools to, you know, just really help make everybody more efficient on a communication level. We always use Slack to communicate. That way we can communicate anywhere, share files, share screenshots, videos, 
everything, private discussions, you know, group discussions, all that kind of thing. Um, you know, and then our business, you know, from a admin standpoint was pretty Excel heavy, pretty Excel heavy. So, um, you know, I took the time to learn just how to write basic macros. So that way somebody could download a report and run a macro and then all of a sudden they would make the data that they downloaded, you know, into a nice pretty report. And that would save them, you know, 10 to 15 minutes per report, multiply that by hundreds of reports. It's going to save them a whole, whole bunch of time, which in, in the end saves me money because I don't have to hire as many people because one person can do that job, which maybe a few years ago probably took three or four people. So, you know, from a basic, I mean, Excel is very powerful. A lot of people kind of overlook it, um, you know, but even just writing macros in there is really going to help you. And then from a communication with your customer standpoint, setting up, you know, automated email systems, triggered email systems. If the customer's interested in this, send this email. Setting, taking the time to set all that infrastructure up so that way you don't have to do it manually. It saved us so much time, uh, you know, just to give you a 30 second insight into our business. When a parent signs up for a program, previously, if you, don't, if you didn't build out these emails, you'd have to send them, you know, manually. Congratulations, your child has signed up for golf class. We're gonna send you another email in a week give you new details and then we're going to send you another email in four weeks telling you what they're learning. And then we're going to send you another email in eight weeks to tell you what they've learned. You know, you do that every time. That's going to take a lot of time. But if you automate it and you have triggers built into your CRM system, then it's going to save you a ton, a ton, a ton of time. So, you know, from a consumer facing standpoint, that's really where we were able to take care of automation as well. Yeah, no, I love that. These are these are such good suggestions and recommendations. And I love what you said about Google it. If there's something <laughs> that annoys you or bothers you, I say the same thing to people. That's so awesome because it's so true. You know, it, it's the difference is being frustrated and continuing to do the same thing versus being frustrated and making a point to set aside five or ten minutes to seek out a solution. Yeah. And, you know, that can be the total game changer in your business, right? Totally. And, you know, the, the, listening to podcasts and using Google, I mean, you learn so many things, just little things that save you 5, 10, 20 minutes here, but that adds up to hours each day. I mean, even just scheduling, you know, say when we're scheduling interviews with employees, if you use an online calendar like Schedule One or Acuity or Calendly, that saves you back and forth emails, you know, who knows how many times to find out a good time for both people. And if you just have your system set up, it kind of takes care of itself. So things like that, you know, just Google it and you'll probably probably find what you're looking for with a little yeah, bit of time. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So talk to the people. We have obviously a mix of listeners for Unstoppable Success Radio. We have corporate warriors. We have entrepreneurs and small business owners, executive leaders. We have dreamers that are hoping to one day start their own business. You know, you have a great story about, um, you know, your time in corporate America and just realizing that that didn't, you know, bring the kind of fulfillment that you were looking for and the, the transformation and the change that you make. Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about that story and, and kind of how you had the courage and, you know, got to the point that you are at today? I mean, really, it came down to what's what's the worst case scenario? You know, what's the worst case scenario? If, if I leave here and everything I plan to do crashes and burns, you can always go get another job, in my opinion. So, you know, that's really what really started, you know, me changing my mind, mind shift and mindset to think outside the box and kind of go against the status quo, what people tell you from the time that you can understand words that you need to go to school, you need to graduate, you need to go to, go to college, get a good job, and then stay with that company for 40 years and then retire. So, it's, you know, that's all you hear. That's what you're going to do until you kind of question. I mean, once I get into the corporate world, it was 
it didn't make much sense to me. Why do all these people do the same thing? Um, right. You know, and, and some people like it, but I mean, I was working in the finance industry from 2007 to 2010-ish, which wasn't a great time to be in finance. And there weren't many people in my office that were actually happy with their job. If they were happy with their job, that's totally fine. I mean, there's plenty of people that enjoy working for somebody else. They enjoy the office atmosphere. They enjoy getting their two to four weeks vacation. They enjoy not having to work on the weekends or whatever the case may be. And that's totally fine. You know, you don't, not everybody's going to be an entrepreneur or their own boss. Uh, but to me, there are just so many miserable people and none of them are doing anything about it other than just complaining. I and mean, that's not going to get you anywhere. So right. I decided, you know, I, I can quit. I'll save up some money. I can quit. And then I'll figure out what I want to do. Um, you know, when I did quit and go to South America, I knew I wasn't going to go back to the corporate world, but I didn't really know, you know, what kind of business I was going to start up and then just happened to be flipping through the entrepreneur magazine, looking, looking for low cost business startup ideas. I knew I didn't want to go into the brick and mortar world. Uh, for me, that was just too much overhead to take on. Yeah. Um, you know, and I really wanted to bet on myself where the harder I work, the more successful I am. So uh, I found, happened to find TGA, which is a run from home franchise opportunity. And uh, for me, it worked out. Like I said, I love sports, love business, and I love working hard. And, you know, the, any business where the harder you work, the more successful you are, and the more people you can impact. Uh, I'm all for it. And working in corporate America didn't fit that for me. But, you know, leaving and starting a franchise did. I love it. Great story. And what I find really interesting, Paul, I think you did a really smart thing in that most people that get into franchises do the brick and mortar route. And there is a lot of overhead with that. And it can suck a lot of the profit out of the business. And I, I think to me, that's one of the things that is um, not appealing about the franchise world. And I love that you took that approach of saying, hey, I want to have something that's plug and play where there's systems in place and there's operating procedures and you can step into the role and, you know, immediately have all of those parameters built for you. But you went out and found one that was virtual, which I think is completely brilliant, so smart, such a great strategy. Thanks. Yeah, for me, it just it made sense from a finance being a finance major yes, and always spending money. It just didn't make sense to me to, you know, go lease a building and then spend a couple hundred thousand building it out, and then you know hope it works more or less. And the margins are just so thin exactly. in pretty much any brick and mortar that you know one bad thing or one one wrong thing and it could, you know could really take down your business. So for me, you know. The, the investment was low enough for the TGA franchise that if I wanted to go build all this stuff on my own, just building out the CRM system and building out the database and building out the website and getting the curriculum, all that would have taken way, way, way more money than it would have been just to invest in the franchise. So right. for me, it was just kind of a no brainer. Um, you know, so that's that's really what appealed to me is not having to go into debt and being able to really hit the ground running. Beautiful. I love it. So what do you think makes someone a perfect fit to pursue a franchise like what you're doing? So maybe we have some listeners that are like, you know, I would love to go out on my own. I don't know if starting my own business is the right thing, but maybe a franchise is a middle step. You're still your business owner. You're still out on your own, but you do have that support and those resources in place. Like, what do you think makes someone a perfect fit to thrive in that type of uh, opportunity, Paul? Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good question. I think most of our franchise owners, they're, they're first time entrepreneurs, just like I was myself uh, in our, our type of business where, you know, if you look at it, I mean, I guess there's two types of franchises, a brick and mortar. Most franchise owners of a brick and mortar are already very successful. They're very wealthy and they're really looking just to invest in another stream of revenue. So if you look at people that own McDonald's or Subway's, 
they own like 10, 20, 30, yes. 40 of them. Yes. And it's just another stream exactly. of revenue. They don't, and they don't really have to do much. Whereas if you're going, you know, kind of the service-based route, which is, you know, very popular nowadays, just because the overhead is a lot lower and you can start generating revenue right away. Usually, not all, all the time, but usually it's first-time entrepreneurs that don't want to do all the heavy lifting. They don't want to spend a year or two kind of developing a system and developing a process and then spending another three or four years to perfect it and investing all that upfront capital to really build a business from the ground up where you can really just invest in it and you can start generating revenue, you know, within your first month or so. So that's really our most successful franchise owners, you know, that I see and really in general in our system are either they're, they retired early and they're looking for that rewarding career before they retire for good. And they're looking to build a business that they can either sell into retirement or transfer to their kids or grandkids uh, or people like myself that are just looking to leave the corporate world, not necessarily, you know, ready for retirement, but uh, they're fed up with their job and they, they want to, you know, get that opportunity and start building a rewarding business. For me, you know, it wasn't just building a business, but it, it was a rewarding business yeah. because I love golf. I love tennis impacting kids you know when, when you're able to impact that many kids and impact the community and the incentive is the more more kids you impact the more successful you are uh for me it, it just made it that much easier to work that much harder oh yeah absolutely i mean having that passion and, and knowing that you're making that impact absolutely i mean you you jump out of bed every day and, and there's a purpose to what you're doing so far beyond yourself you know and and that's awesome that's perfect so i do want to grab a couple minutes with you paul before we wrap up here and talk a little bit about what you're doing because you have this like whole other life i know you have a newborn plus you're <laughs> doing um the business development now for them overall but then on top of that you have your e-commerce store talk to me a little bit like how did you get into that? What are you doing with it? Like spill the beans a little bit there. Yeah. So uh, I got into it in a roundabout way, really probably three, four years ago when I really started looking into automation and listening to podcasts and, you know, really just learning about all these other tools and systems and online marketing and internet marketing and building businesses and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I really, really got into just building businesses online in general uh, just because the marketplace is so much bigger than you know just the you know geographic area that you might be in when you build an online business your market is the whoever's connected to the internet pretty much so um, we my dad actually uh, he's been working in he's been doing hardwood floors and woodworking since probably he was 14 years old he's you know been doing it as a job as a career since he graduated high school so he's been doing it for 40, 50 plus years. Uh, so he's always had that knack for woodworking, hardwood floors, that kind of stuff. Um, and probably two or three years ago, my wife said, we need a good way to keep our shoes stored uh, when we come home. So you come home, you kind of throw your shoes everywhere. And uh, my dad was visiting. He said, well, we could build a little box slash crate to put it here at the, you know, at the front door where you can put your shoes. And it's kind of hard to explain, but it's basically a big, you know, it's about three feet by a foot and a half crate that you can put your shoes in. Um, so we started, we first just put this in our house and then a lot of people came over and our friends liked it and they really thought, wow, this is a really cool idea. So at the same time, when I'm learning about all this online business, internet marketing, e-commerce, all that kind of stuff, I said, well, we could start selling these things online. So we first started just on Etsy, selling these things on Etsy. And then we started expanding to other things. Uh, we make coat racks. We make bigger shoe storage trays. We make ottoman trays. Uh, we make wood coasters. So it's all wood handmade products that now I make 
uh, here at home. And, uh, you know, so now we're on Etsy, we're on Amazon Handmade, and then we've launched our own Shopify store. So that way we can really start building a business on our own platform versus somebody else's. So uh, it's kind of a fun project hobby. I guess I got it from my father, even though I never knew I had it until, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And it, it's been fun just to learn more ways to, you know, build businesses and market and all those things that go along with, uh, you know, building, building businesses in general. Wow. Okay. Awesome. I love that. So talk to me a little bit about the return on investment, <laughs> um, energy in versus results out. Like how would you compare the differences between the two business, the e-commerce versus the, the franchise work? Yeah. So the franchise work, uh, you know, is selling a service, which doesn't really require any physical products other than some equipment, right. but that's, you know, right. you're not selling that equipment. You're using it over and over and over, uh, versus e-commerce, you know, obviously you have to invest in some inventory, especially if you're going to build a business and actually we wanted to control the whole process. So we wanted to control it from the time we got say the raw materials until the time that it got to the customer and, you know, build a list and build, build everything on our platform basically. So, uh, it was definitely different. Um, but the good thing, you know, like we talked about before, the good thing with technology and just the speed of business now, you don't need to invest a ton of money to, you know, start, start an online business. So when we started on Etsy, you know, it, it's made to order. So we didn't need to invest right. in a ton of inventory. Right. And we really use that just to kind of, you know, build up our bank account a little bit so that we can invest in more inventory and then, you know, sell that and invest a little bit more inventory and then invest in building out our own shop. So it's been, you know, a bootstrap business from the beginning. Uh, you know, in our case, we didn't need it to make money right away. So we didn't need to go, you know, scale it to the moon right away and invest in a bunch of money to have, you know, a marketer take over everything. So we're kind of doing it all, all on our own. My wife handles all the social media stuff. So Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, all that stuff. The product is mainly for uh, women. So she's good at that and connecting with women that want to buy our products. Um, you know, so it's it's been interesting just because it's a physical product versus, um, you know, selling a service or knowledge or, you know, an online course or something like that. But it, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, along the way, we dabbled into Amazon FBA. I'm sure people that listen to your show have heard about Amazon FBA. And, you know, for, for us, there's just a big red flag that Amazon controls everything and they can shut you down at any time. And you're not really building a business. It's really just yeah. a street revenue. So yeah. uh, by going through that and going through all the other processes, you know, as well as building a business that I was able to sell, you know, for me, it, it made sense pretty early to kind of control the whole process, take the time to build it right uh, and really look at the long term play there. Yeah, definitely. No, I love it. And and I think it's it's so important to have diversified streams of income. And it's it's nice that you're able to build two different businesses in completely different industries and sectors, because it kind of gives you a little bit of a, a buffer, um, you know, as markets change and trends change and cycles come and go as well. Definitely. And that, that was kind of part of the thing as well, is really just diversifying and, you know, start start with a couple, which ones work, keep plugging away at those if one doesn't work. You know, at least now, unless you're, like I said, unless you're doing a brick and mortar, you don't really need to invest in a lot of money right. to start a business. You just need to invest time. And everybody yeah. has more time than they think. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. So as we wrap up here, I mean, obviously, this was just an awesome, such a valuable conversation, Paul. Um, and definitely want to recommend again, everybody, the the book that Paul mentioned, Built to Sell, as well as Paul's podcast, um, Automate Your Franchise, um, both awesome resources there. What would be some final words for 
our listeners just around people process systems and really, you know, building a, a sellable business that, that allows you to achieve your goals? Like give me a, a closing comment for our listeners. I would just say uh, patience and persistence. Everybody wants things now. They want it done now. They want to make more money now. And if you look at all successful businesses, they've taken time. And I think the biggest problem with social media is, is businesses and people in general only share their big wins and their big successes. And people see that all of a sudden and think, wow, they're so lucky. You know, that's an overnight success. But really, you know, those people went through so many struggles and ups and downs and turns along the way that you know, patience and persistence, you know, have that end mind focused in and really just take your time and build it the right way. It's, you know, it's, it's going to take time, but it's going to go quicker than you think. And then when you do go to sell it, uh, if you do want to build your business to sell it, which you should, even if you don't want to sell it, which is kind of what the book is about, you know, build your business to sell no matter what, uh, because you will thank yourself, your future self will thank your current self later on, whether it's because you want to retire or you want someone else to take over the business, or you want to sell the business. So patience and persistence, and it'll pay off. Couldn't agree more. Awesome. So, Paul, for people that want to get in touch with you, have a conversation, learn more about what you're doing, what is the best way to, to connect and reach out? Yeah, so you could, uh, if you're on Twitter, you can just go to Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is just my first and last name, Paul Maskill. If you are interested in the TGA opportunity, looking to you know, start up a franchise in your area, you could go to franchisetga.com slash unstoppable. And that'll be a welcome page just for your listeners. There's a opportunity there to schedule a, a call if you guys want to chat about it. Don't even have to chat about TGA if you just want to chat about business in general. Uh, there's a little survey there to see if it might be right for you. And uh, our e-commerce store is simplerhomeusa.com. Very cool. Awesome. Well, Paul, you are a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for everything that you shared today. Thanks, Kelly. Talk to you soon. All right. And for all our listeners, if you haven't already joined my private email community to gain access to the free resources, the trainings, the videos, and all the support that you're going to get in building and growing your dream business, make sure you text in the word IGNITE to 44222. Do that today. Do it now. I know you're listening on your phone. Text in the word IGNITE to 44222 to join the community and get started building and growing your dream business. Until next time, I want to remind everyone to dream big, take action, and don't stop until you make it happen. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Unstoppable Success Radio. And if you're not already a member of my private email community, I want you to text the word IGNITE to 44222. Text the word IGNITE to 44222 to get all the resources, trainings, swipe files, and tips I only share there. If you're not already a member, all you have to do is text IGNITE to 44222 to get in on all the action. Thanks so much.